Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram and joining me again on the line this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter is the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League Writer. And it's fair to say, Peter, the Games took another big step towards its return this week with clubs like Leeds Rhinos returning to training. That's right. Six teams now back in training, Rich. Effectively, it's the teams that are first up when Super League restarts. Half the competition are playing on Sunday, August the 2nd, all in a triple header. So that's Hawkeye against Toronto, Catalans against St Helens and Leeds against Huddersfield. Those teams are now back in training. The rest of the teams in the competition start the following week when there's a full round of fixtures, six matches. Those teams will be training from next week and um, thank goodness for that, you might say. I think it's given everybody in the sport a bit of a lift. When players are back in training, you can sense that, that the season's getting nearer it's starting to generate um, the fact that the players are back. Starting to generate its own little bit of momentum. Stories will start to develop, and um, it, it feels like we're we're getting close to rugby again, which is what everybody's waited so long for. Um, spoke to a few of the Leeds players who've been in from the start, and they're in very good spirits. Just delighted to be back to feel like rugby players again after four months of. of civilian life so to speak apparently the Leeds players are in good shape they've done some fitness testing and from what I'm told that they're all ahead of where they were um, in January at the end of pre-season so that's um, that's a positive sign they're all talking about how different it still is because obviously training is having to follow government guidelines and health advice players are getting the temperature taken when they arrive at training um, they're not able to pair up in the gym as they normally do. Everyone's having to keep the distance in training, other than when they're they're on the field. But um, I think it's just, it's just given the whole sport a little bit of a lift to see that we are going to get some action on the field before too long. Yeah, definitely, I'd agree with that. I think uh, a few weeks ago, when the footballers returned to pre-season training or. Uh, post-Covid training, whatever you'd like to call it, it did give that buzz again and that feel that something was coming back soon. And I feel the same now uh, with the rugby too. Um, Obviously, players coming in and a bit more normality. I think society in general, there's a bit more normality and hopefully that'll filter through to our sports as well and rugby league in particular. Do you think there'll be any scope for any pre-season games or will they just be going straight in on the 2nd of August? I suppose, again, it depends on whether any restrictions change in that period, I don't know, or do you think they'll just have to maybe play into into club games against each other in training and then, as in, you know, Leeds Rhinos and the maybe younger players or the first team against the rest um, before August the 2nd or will they just go straight in? I think they'll just go straight in, but obviously th- there will be the opportunity to, to play against the academy players if they're still in training. That's the problem is that those um, squads haven't returned. Uh, the academy, the under-19s um, competition, the reserves competition, has been scrapped for this season. Leeds have released uh, a couple of their reserve grade players who've who've joined Featherstone so there's not really anybody to play against but right. they'll be having small sided games and training that sort of thing I think when they move on to the contact side of things but I, d- I don't think they'll be 
pre-season games arranged like you'd get in January between different clubs. Yeah. This isn't, isn't time to arrange that. And I, I'm not sure how that would fit in with the, the guidelines. That's a good point, actually. I'll, I'll follow that up and see what, um, what the ruling on that is. But at the moment, obviously, there's still players are still having to obey social distancing rules and that sort of thing. So I don't think there's scope to play any pre-season games. The, the positive is everybody's in the, the same boat. Um, it'll be interesting when the fixtures come out to see who's playing who in week two. Yeah. Um, I would think that probably the teams um, that play on August the 2nd might have a, a bit of an advantage if they're playing teams that are going straight into it. So it's going to be interesting to see how they work around um, they work around that. And I wondered if maybe they'd have the six teams playing each other in a um, a different rotation, if if you like. But I I know of certainly one team that aren't starting on August the second. Who I understand are playing a team who are. So it doesn't look like that's that's going to happen. And I think I think that will give the teams who are in training now a, a little bit of an advantage once they've had one hit out if they're playing a team we've not played for, for five months. But more or less everybody's in the same boat. So yeah. I think it's, um, it's probably as fair as they, they can they can do it. Uh, whatever happens with the fixtures, um, which hopefully we'll be finding out soon, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to upset somebody. It's not going to be ideal for everyone. Some teams... Um, like Leeds, Saints and Warrington could all have home advantage. Um, Catalans, we don't know what's going to happen with them. They want to play in front of crowds in France from the off. I understand other teams don't don't think that's very fair. So whatever happens, somebody's nose is going to be put out of joint. But the important thing is we're going to get some rugby back. Yeah, and ironically, thinking about it as you were speaking, um, there'll be enough games after the restart anyway for the players, perhaps without playing uh, friendlies beforehand. You know, I think they're obviously going to be cramming a lot of action into a very short period to try and get the season done by November. So uh, they, they, they probably won't want anything extra thrown at them. Uh, that's, exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's going to be something like 22 games in four months so it's going to be a, a big workload there's going to be some midweek matches so um, I don't think players need any extra um, extra work placed on the, their shoulders um, and with the new rules the games are going to be faster yes. than we've seen before and that's going to take take its toll I think it's going to be very tough on the players I know they've had a long break they've, they've not played much rugby over the last um, year or so but it's it's going to be a tough time for them. The new rules, which were um, agreed last week, include the six again law. So tackle count will be restarted for infringements in the ruck rather than a play being stopped for a penalty. We're not going to have scrums this season for, for health reasons. So that will mean forwards, well, anybody, but particularly the big forwards, don't get a, a break and a chance for a drink every so often. The concern is that um, in Australia, where they are, do still have scrums, there's been a lot of injuries when yeah. they've come back after um, after a shorter break than we've had over here. 
and you just hope that that isn't going to happen in Super League. Be a real shame if if players come back and we're getting a spate of ACL injuries or big muscle tears or or whatever, and players are being sidelined for a long time. I hope that doesn't happen. Certainly not. No, I mean, as you say, they're under enough pressure and the squads are small enough, and everybody's going in undercooked compared to how they would obviously be at this time of the year normally. I'm just wondering there, when when you're speaking, Peter, is there a possibility of drinks breaks during games? Or will they not be having? I know in football they've been like breaking the game into quarters and having like a drinks break at half time in each half, as it were. Um, would rugby league, particularly if August's very warm in September, uh, would they perhaps be looking to do the same after twenty minutes or so? Well, possibly. I think that there is a, a sort of a protocol for that, which the match commissioner normally sorts out on a match day. If it's over a certain temperature, I think they, they tend to have a brief drinks break after 20 minutes, usually at a scrum, because we're yeah. not going to have them. Um, but nothing specifically has been said about that, as far as I'm aware. But it's it's certainly something that, that could be introduced without um, too many problems. Yeah. And and also, just going back to the fixtures for a moment, will, will they be announcing the venues then as well, would you think? Or is that something that may happen on a fortnightly basis? Uh, I know we're expecting or hoping that Headingley might be one of the grounds. And you mentioned there Saints and Warrington, two other teams with their own uh, sort of rugby league-owned stadiums uh, that are modern as well, that can obviously cope with maybe uh, four teams at the same time. Or, or is it something that will just be announced on a week-to-week basis or something? Again, we'll, we'll know that when the fixtures come out. As we're talking now on Tuesday, there's a yeah. Super Clubs meeting ongoing and all that sort of stuff is, is being worked through at that. Um, as of yesterday, the clubs tell me that they haven't been told what the venues are going to be. Um, it's widely expected that those three will be used, Leeds, yeah. Saints and, and Warrington, but it's not officially been confirmed yet. Um, so, again, that's a, a wait and see, but that should be announced along with the fixtures when the um, when the, this meeting has um, has worked through all that and resolved some issues. I, I suspect that they, they're maybe going to hold on for a bit because they're hoping to have crowds in as soon as possible. Yeah. That's what everything... Everything hinges on on the government and when they'll allow large gatherings to get back um, to be, get back together. There's a feeling among clubs that that might be as early as September. I'm not sure how realistic that is, but um, they're hoping to play as few games behind closed doors as possible. Yeah. And the suggestion is that the bigger games in the season will be put on the fixture list later on, so that. Um, Max, to maximise the possibility of those being played in front of a crowd. Yeah. So you, you wouldn't expect to see, for example, Wigan playing Saints in the first few weeks of the season because the competition will hope that when that fixtures like that come along, I would think it would be the same with Leeds and Castleford, um, they'll hope that, that they can have at least some paying punters in the ground for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, something I hadn't thought of, but obviously something that's obvious and a good idea. Um, as you say, and we've said on this show many times, the, the government advice changes so often and so rapidly that you know you you, you really can't uh, predict anything, can you, at the moment? 
the same behind closed doors on August the 2nd and maybe by the end of August and hopefully by the end of August some people will be able to get back in and watch the games you know and I think some of the clubs that don't go over that 5,000 limit anyway uh, should be okay and I think clubs with bigger grounds obviously like Leeds can probably space people out to a social distance that will enable at least some people to get in and hopefully help the clubs in that way. Mm, but the game's all about the spectators. It's nothing without without the fans. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. We we all want as many games as possible to be played in in front of a crowd. It's a spectator sport. That's that's what the whole thing's built on. Plus, the clubs need the money. Having not had any income for for so long, we've got to start generating some some cash back in the sport, and that's only going to happen when fans are allowed into the ground and into the shops and into the bars in the ground and buying programmes and all that sort of business. Yeah. So the sooner that can happen, uh, the better. Yeah, in the meantime, I think we'll have to make do with the sort of crowd sound that they've been using on other sports, which I think we said the other week, it has worked to us a certain degree for me. It obviously doesn't replace people in the ground, but it's it's been, it's helped to take your mind off the fact that people aren't in the ground and... Hopefully, if we can have a few weeks of that and then get real people back in and the good old shouts to get them on side and all that, then the sooner the better. <laughs> yeah, I've um, I've quite liked the sound effects and the NRL coverage. Um, not so much on Premiership football, actually. I've been watching the, yeah. the football, the, uh, the no crowd noise option. Um, I think the Aussies seem to have done it better. Um, but maybe that's 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 just me. But um, it it'll be interesting for for viewers initially on television to to actually hear what players are saying um, in contact and and during matches, which obviously you can't normally hear. You can hear some of it because the referee's mic'd up. Yeah. But in an empty stadium, you're going to be be able to hear a lot of it. Obviously, that brings with it some problems. <laughs> Um, with all the, the, the commentators having to apologise for foul language, yeah, um, that, that's just inevitable, sadly. But I think it, it will be quite an, an interesting insight. But it it won't replace the atmosphere of a of a live game played in front of a, a crowd. That's that's what makes any sport. And um, I know the players will miss it for as long as, as the games are played behind closed doors. And I, I think everybody in the sport will. We, we just need the fans back as soon as possible. Yeah. And let's hope they are. You know, I, I agree entirely. You know, we, we need fans in for all the reasons that you've said. And obviously the atmosphere that they create as well and the rivalry and the banter and everything else that goes with following your team. Uh, just moving on from that then, Peter... Big piece of off-the-field news this week, a player we talked about the other week, Liam Sutcliffe, handing in a transfer at Leeds Rhinos. Um, won several honours, obviously, with the club during his time there, Liam, and I believe he spoke to him for yesterday's evening post uh, about his reasoning why. Yeah, spoken to um, to Sutty. It's, it's a shame when any player puts in a transfer request midway through his contract, particularly a a player who's come through the academy ranks is, is Leeds born, but I, I can understand it to to an extent. He's um, one of Leeds' longest serving players. Actually, made his his debut in um, twenty thirteen, 
his problem is he's played a lot of games, but his problem is he's, he's not really nailed down a settled position. He can play more or less anywhere. He's played fullback, centre, in the halves, second row. But clearly, at, at his stage of his career, 24 years old, he wants to be a, a regular starter in a set position. Yeah. And I don't think that's going to happen at Leeds. Um, he's, he's not. Um, not looked at as a, a fullback. He's got um, Conrad Hurrell ahead of him and um, Harry Newman in the centres. Leeds have got any number of halves who would probably be selected ahead of him and um, same in the back row. So it's really unfortunate because he's going to be in the 17 most weeks simply because of his utility value. That and the fact he's a good player. Um, yeah. Well, you can understand why a 24-year-old would want to be starting every week in a set position and, and being able to build his career from that. And he's, he's not really had that opportunity. He says he wants, he just feels like the time's right for a change. Um, he says he's not got another club lined up um, and he's fully committed to Leeds until something changes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and, and who comes in through. But he's won a grand final, he's won, a, won at Wembley, played um, more than 150 Super League games. He's a goal kicker, and as we say, he can play in most positions. So um, I don't think there'll be any shortage of interest in him. No, certainly not. I mean, as you said at the start of uh, the little piece, that it, it's highly unusual for a player to hand in a request simply because most contracts are maybe one or two years anyway, aren't they? You know, So it, it's a really unusual uh, moment in that regard uh, for somebody to actually request to leave a club because nearly always they're coming towards the end of a contract and just move on naturally. But I think we spoke the other week about Liam and a couple of other players and the fact that when they're versatile, that's something the fans and coaches love because they can play in so many different positions and if somebody drops out at short notice or whatever, as you've said with Liam, he can fill in in the backs or the forwards equally as well and, and kick goals too, which obviously is a, a very valuable commodity in the game. Uh, but like uh, another Leeds player, again, we've discussed several times on here, Richie Myler, uh, you know, his versatility has almost proved his downfall. He he wants to play in a certain position, but as it stands at the moment, he, he isn't going to get one nailed on because the coach see him as someone who can play in several different places. Uh, so you can understand uh, Liam wanting to move on and, and establish himself and I noticed that although he said he hasn't been lined up anywhere, he's been quite strongly linked with uh, Castleford. Um, I know obviously other players have gone there. Daryl Powell seems a bit of a magician at improving players, doesn't he? Or seeing a position for them and playing them in it. So it'll be interesting to see how it does unfold. It's sad for the Rhinos that he's decided to move on, but at the same time he has won the honours with Leeds and probably... As he said, he just fancies a change of scene uh, now rather than staying on at Leeds. Mm, yeah, I think it's a little bit different situation to to Richie Myler because Myler's Myler's a halfback who has been used a bit at hooker and shown that he can he can do a job there and and steps in at fullback and, and shown he can do a job there as well. But he is a he is a halfback. That's yeah. where he wants to play, and that's that's his specialist position. It's where he's played Test. Rugby. Whereas with Sutty, I don't think anyone quite knows what his best position is. Um, he he had he's had good spells 
at half. He had a, a decent spell when he moved to fullback a, a few years ago, and um, and he, he he did well in the, the centre as as well. I, I'd like to see him given more of a run in the second row, but uh, or as a ball playing loose forward. But there's a lot of competition for those roles at Leeds, um, and I'm I'm not sure he he sees himself in that role. So that's that's the big issue yeah. with Liam. He just he just needs to to find a position he feels comfortable in, and um, ask the club where they're going to give him time to to establish himself in that role. But he's a He's a good player. He um, he will attract plenty of interest, and I don't think he'll have, have any trouble finding another Super League club. Obviously, he says he's got nothing lined up, but you'd think that, that there must have been expressions of interest in him somewhere along the line for him to, to take the step of actually asking for um, asking for a move. So I would think something will come up, but you never know if, if he comes back and... Um, Plays well for Leeds when the season restarts. Maybe there'll be a, a little rethink there. But uh, good luck to him wherever he goes. He's, he's 24, um, been around the England scene, and um, and his best days are ahead of him. So let's hope he goes well wherever he uh, he lands up. Yeah, and another transfer completed this week. Again, we spoke about him last week. Danny Bruff's move to Bradford's been confirmed. Uh, one last. Uh, no doubt contract for Danny. Wish him well. He's been a good servant to the game. And as we said last week, I'm sure he'll bring plenty to Bradford, linking up with John Keir again and bringing their young players on. Yeah, good signing for, for Bradford. He's obviously he's 37 now, so his he's Super League days are numbered. But I think in the Championship, he'll go, um, he'll go very well. He's played at that level before, albeit quite some time ago. Um, he knows John Keir, worked with him in the past. And um, there's some good young players at Bradford, and, and having somebody with Bruffy's experience around them will um, will only benefit them. So again, good luck to him. He's got nothing left to prove at the top level. He's um, not won a grand final, obviously, but a Challenge Cup winner. He's um, played Test level rugby with um, with Scotland, been a consistent player at Super League for for a decade or more. Yeah. And um, and he he deserves one last crack at the game at. Um, at the balls and, and again all the best to him yeah I think he'll be nearly 40 when his contract's done which is a, a tremendous achievement particularly in the modern game I know he's played in the halves but all players get some batter these days don't they and, you know to be still turning out knocking on 40 especially at championship level where you know again there won't be many prisoners taken you know he's had a great career uh, man of Steel as well, I think, in his time at Huddersfield. So yeah, in twenty thirteen, Man of Man of Steel. He um, and a League Leader Shield winner with with Huddersfield, Challenge Cup winner with Hull. Obviously, he would have dearly liked to have won a, a grand final, but that's not happened. But other than that, he's um, he's achieved a lot in the game, and yeah, playing on until forties. <laughs> It's some effort, whatever position you were, you play in, and the championship is a tough competition. He he won't have it easy. No, he won't be expecting to <laughs> either. As I say, he's played at that level before, but he's he's quality and he, he can certainly handle handle himself. And and a player with his kicking game is going to uh, going to cause some damage at, at that level. I think. Yeah. Okay, Peter. Well, I think that's it for this week. Uh, once again, thanks for all your comments and your insight. 
Yeah, very interesting as usual. Um, next week will be the build-up to the big meeting on the 23rd when hopefully issues like promotion and relegation will be finally sorted out. So no doubt we'll have a look at that before the meeting and of course afterwards as well in the podcast and by then we'll be virtually ready to start playing again or the players will obviously not me personally um, so <laughs> I say for now as I say each week you can get your very latest rugby league news from Peter's Twitter handle at Peter Smith YEP or my own at Richard Byron YEP or at YEP Sports Desk and obviously the Yorkshire Evening Post website www.yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk for all the very latest rugby league, sport and coronavirus news. So for now we'll say goodbye and thank Peter again for his comments and we'll hopefully be back again soon.